Well, praise the Lord and welcome to the Romans teaching today right here in my office. I'm thankful to be here with my Bible. Hope you've got yours some way there. You will be able to get to it uh, while you follow along in this teaching. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is where we are. We'll be in verse 3 today. Uh, but before we dig in, just real quickly, don't forget to pray for our church planning endeavor in Wichita Falls, Texas. And if you know anybody who lives in or around that region, uh, please contact them and tell them that we're there the second weekend of every single month right now. Uh, Friday nights at 7 and Saturday mornings from 10 to lunch. And I, I encourage you, go out of your way to help those people who live in or around that Wichita Falls, Texas area know that there is a cross-preaching, true gospel-preaching church in that area. And we want to see them there. We want to... Uh, see them gathering up. There's a group of people already, and we're again we're meeting at the Hampton Inn, uh, 4217 Kemp Boulevard. Second weekend every month. There's already a, a small group of people meeting, and uh, more each time. We started in November, and they're even having a Saturday night Bible study. Uh, they're getting together outside of the, that meeting that we're having. So we're praying for more people to come along uh, with us in the truth and the true gospel and see God raise up a church there and we're praying for a pastor. So you pray with us and we're thankful and also don't forget that we mail each and every week six expositor study Bibles to inmates in prison that request them. And so I encourage you to help us do that. Uh, we're about to have a fundraiser on March the 30th, a chili cook-off, to raise funds for these letters. These are inmate, inmate letters from all across this country, California, uh, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana. And uh, we mail six a week, and the stack stays pretty much like this. And it takes $33 a Bible, possibly a little more, for us to get a Bible, an expositor study Bible, into the hands of these inmates who are requesting them. So I encourage you, pray about helping us financially. Go to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, donate, and, uh, and, and just help us get these Bibles into these hands of these inmates. Jesus said that we need to visit him in prison. I got, I got news for you. He's got some people in prison, praise God. And uh, I'm just glad I'm not one of them. I'm glad I'm on the outside, but for those on the inside, he told us to go visit them. And we're publishing, we're extending his word, sending his word to them inside that prison system so that they can be saved, filled with the Spirit, and used of God even where they are. It doesn't matter where you are. There's people outside jail who are locked up spiritually, but they can be locked up on the outside and free on the inside, and that's most important, praise God. Well, here we are today in Romans chapter 6. And uh, let's get right into this today. And we'll, we'll back up in verse 1 and read up to where we're going to focus on today, verse 3. And if you've missed any of our previous teachings, this is part 5 of Romans 6. And all these teachings uh, sessions are uploaded to our YouTube channel. You need to remember this, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Uh, and you can go there and find our worship service uh, preaching. You can find uh, the Galatians ongoing live for 
Friday morning at 9 a.m. teaching. And this session is every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. So make sure you uh, ask to be my friend also on my Curtis Hutchinson uh, Facebook page as well as the Pastor Curtis Facebook page. There's two of them. And I, I post everything we do here live on the Pastor Curtis page, but I preach a lot, put a lot of scriptural help for people on my Curtis Hutchinson Facebook page. So help us do what we're doing here. Let's dig in today to part 5, Romans 6. And here we are, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in, and you, if you'll go back, you'll see what we've learned. Sin here is the noun, sin, the sin nature. Shall we continue in the sin nature that grace may abound? Shall we continue serving sin that grace may abound? Well, that's dumb. It's why he says in verse 2, God forbids that. It can't happen. You can't continue living in sin, practicing sin, and say that grace is abounding. And I'll give you an example of that. There was a lady I worked with years ago, and she was in the church if the doors were open, not, not in a church I went to, but I worked with her, and, and she was like the main thing, the main worker in the church. If the doors were open, she was there. She did practically everything behind the scenes that was done, but yet her mouth was as foul as could be. And uh, and and she she told me one day that that uh, it didn't matter about her mouth because God's grace was greater than her than her foul mouth. You see, and that was the problem Paul was dealing with here, a part of it anyway. That people would say, well, you might as well continue living in sin, uh, so that grace can abound. Listen, grace cannot abound in sin. When grace is abounding, it is forgiving and delivering from sin. You can't live in sin. You can't be ruled by the sin nature and grace abound at the same time. Yes, grace is always on offer because what God did in Christ at Calvary is on offer. God so loved the world that whosoever shall believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The offer of God's grace is there, but here's where we've missed it for many, many years. God's grace is not something that just tangibly floats around. God's grace is the spirit of grace, the spirit of God working on our behalf, doing what he does when he finds faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Not when he sees us doing something, he doesn't give us grace. When he sees our faith in Christ and what he did by the grace of God, Hebrews 2, 9, he lets that grace flow on into our lives for the doing that needs to be done by his Spirit through us. And somebody said, glory to God. I needed to hear that. So Paul here saying, God forbid. It's an impossibility. Yes, when you fall into sin, grace is available and it can abound if you'll repent, turn to Christ and what he did at Calvary and allow him to be more than you just asking for forgiveness, but you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, forsaking your sin where sin no longer is dominating you. Think about that. 
If grace is abounding, it means you're growing, you're walking out, you're deliverance, you're not who you used to be. You're still not perfect, but you are being changed. And hear me today for the sake of those who just want to uh, keep this excuse and keep living in sin, playing in sin, and crying out God's grace abounds. Listen, God's grace forgives and delivers and matures. And if you're in that process, it's evident. It's evident to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, to your co-workers. The fruit is there to be seen. Just this great, well, God's grace about No, that's not going to cut it. The fruit in your life is, is really the reality of God's grace abounding, not your lips saying, well, God's grace abounds. Praise God. Amen. Because when God's grace is abounding, that means God is reigning in your life. Mm, somebody said amen. That's good stuff this morning. So watch this. God forbid that we continue to serve the sin nature that we've been actually delivered from. The sin nature became dormant, rendered powerless through our faith in what Jesus did to crucify the old man, the sin nature. He was put to death. Let me say something about that. The devil was stripped of his power of death. Hebrews 2.14, through the death of Jesus, not the resurrection. There was no three-day party. Demons running around saying, we got him, we got him. And then when on the third day... They begin to trip. No. The devil lost his power of death at the death of Jesus. You need to understand. He knew what happened that day, although no man did. No man knew exactly what happened that day. As the, as the skies grew dark and the earthquake took place and the, the, the veil was ripped from top to bottom. Listen, no man really knew what was happening at that moment until later, years later, when God would give the Apostle Paul the revelation of what actually took place there. Uh, God offering justification. The devil being stripped of his power of death right there. Think about that. But yet there still is a devil. Even though Jesus rendered him powerless over those that would come to him by faith in who he is and what he accomplished as the Lamb of God. But just like there's still a devil going about uh, roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour, there still is a sin nature. Even though it's been made dormant, it exists. It's been rendered powerless as long as your faith remains only in the cross of Christ. That which rendered it powerless. Amen, Brother Curtis. Amen. So, God forbids, God forbids. How shall we that are dead to sin, here it is again, that noun, the sin nature. We've, we, we've, we've had a change in relationship. Before we were born again, we were tied to, we were bound in, we were held to, we were married to. We were in the corruption of the flesh. We were, listen, dead in our sins because we were sinners. When Adam fell in the garden, he died. Immediately he died, not physically, but he was separated from what he had with God. And the proof of that is when God came into the garden, Adam ran and hid from him in fear. There was no fear before sin. Think about that. And we died. 
All died in Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, all died in Adam because we were all in Adam. Think about that. That's why we're born into this life dead in sins, separated from God in our sins. And we are sinners, and we are the sin, we, we, we are the sinners. And I want to say something again today on the broadcast. <clears throat> All these people trying to claim they can do something to be saved. The old man, before, before we're born again, new creations in Christ, every single work we do is evil in the sight of God. I don't care if we're feeding all the hungry people in town and, 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 and building homes for the orphans and all the things that the community would see as good. God sees those things coming from us as not born again, lost. The old man cannot do anything good in God's eyes. He cannot, if he could, he wouldn't need Jesus to say, to, 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 he wouldn't have to die. The old man cannot be rehabilitated. The old man cannot go to heaven. The old man cannot do a good deed. So anybody that comes along and tells you you can do something to be saved, you know it's a lie because the old man cannot do, he cannot function with God. He cannot be in fellowship with God. He is cut off from God. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. That old person that you were born into this life as, he must be put to death, it's the only answer God has given. And just as we were identified in the death that came in through sin in Adam, through our faith in Christ, we're also in the eyes of God identified with Christ in Christ through our faith in Him and what He there did through His death. You see, death came rushing in and death is separation. The moment Adam sinned, he was separated because he died in sin. He was separated from God and wanted it that way, ran from God to prove he wanted to be separated from God because that's an evil heart. But when Jesus Christ came, the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the second and the last Adam that God sent, his son, the Lord from heaven, listen, it took his death. Now God is so amazing. God is so amazing. Think about this. The woman being lied to by the devil, deceived by the devil to eat off the tree, to disobey God, God would turn and use a woman to bring the seed, the Messiah, through. Not the reproduction system of a man, but God would use the woman who was deceived and lied to and became disobedient unto him. The, the Lord would use that woman and put his seed in that woman. Talking about Mary the virgin who would give birth to, Messiah, to the Messiah. Now think about this. And, and see, God does these amazing things to just mock the devil. To mock the devil. The one you lied to, the one you deceived, the one that you thought you had a handle on, I'm going to use her to bring the seed, <laughs> my seed in. <laughs> now think about this. The devil, through his lies, deceived man and, and just we just disobeyed God. And 
through sin, death came in and reigned. And the sin nature began to reign in our life. From the, from the time we sinned in the garden, death came in. We were separated from God. That's death. We dead in our sins. Think about this. But God would use, here it comes again, God on the scene doing that amazing thing. God comes in and uses death, <laughs> uses death to defeat death. The death of His Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the Lamb of God without spot or without blemish. What does that mean? That means He never had a sinful thought, word, or deed. He was without sin, but identified Himself as the Lamb of God, the Son of God that came to take our sin upon Himself and to die as our offering to God. And in His death, Hebrews 2.14 tells it plain and simple, not the resurrection. In his death, through death, he defeated the devil that had the power of death. He, he took the power of death away from the devil. You see, the devil had the power of death. What does that mean? That means he had the power over all who are separated from God because death is separation. When Adam sinned, let me say it better, when we all sinned in the garden because we were all in him, then Satan began to rule with the power of separation. Because if you're born into this life, you're separated from God and Satan has the power over you as the sinner that you are ruled by the sin nature that you have because sin is reigning in your members. You need to understand that. This is good stuff today. But through death, think about what I said earlier. Through the woman that was deceived and defeated and became disobedient, a sinner, God took a woman and brought the seed of eternal life, His Son, Jesus Christ, that seed of the woman. And God would take and use that which had us bound sin and made us dead, separated from God, and he would use death, the death of his son. This is powerful. The death of Jesus is what reconciled us to God. Think about that. This is powerful. Watch this. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to the sin nature live any longer therein? God forbids it. God forbids it. The only way that you and I, uh, that the sin nature can be revived is if we take our faith from the place grace flows into our lives. And that is, my friend, anything other than Calvary. These fads that come along, and I always say the purpose-driven, the government of 12, the promise keepers, the, the AA, your confession, any, you speaking, any your, your church attendance, your anything. If your faith is in what you're doing, that's law, and only the flesh, the result is flesh, even the good things you're doing. That's just the way it is. There's only one object of faith, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Outside of that, you might be saying it's Jesus Christ 
and Him crucified and us. No, the and us eliminates you from grace. Galatians teaches that. When you move your faith from the cross, you move yourself from, you fall from grace. Grace is God functioning in your life, teaching you, delivering you, growing you. Whatever happens to you in this life pertaining to God is by grace. That means He does it through your faith. This is simple teaching because it is for the simple. Praise God. So watch this. Verse 3, trying to get there. Know ye not. Now this means there's some ignorance there, not stupidity. That's two different things. Ignorance is I don't know. We're all ignorant to some degree because we don't know everything. We don't mind telling people we don't know everything, but we don't like being called ignorant. (laughs) Well, that's what we are because we don't know everything. Some things we're ignorant of, that means we don't know. We hadn't heard. We we need to learn some things. So watch this, verse 3. Know you not, don't you know? You should know. I hope you know. I'm about to tell you if you don't. Please don't be found uh, guilty of the other little word that's inside the word ignorant called ignore. Don't ignore what you're hearing. Then once you hear it, you're no longer ignorant. Now you're either ignoring or accepting. You're responsible for what you hear. So don't you know that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, not water, everybody say, not water. That's right. All of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ, that means immersed into Christ, we're in Christ. All of us who were immersed, baptized into Jesus Christ, not water, were baptized into His death, not water. Everybody say, not water. Not water, that's right, not water. Water's not mentioned here. Water is not mentioned here. This verse does not speak of water. I told you on the last broadcast, when I want to buy a good commentary on Romans, first thing I go to is Romans 6 and 3. If they're talking about that this speaking of water baptism, I put it back on the shelf and keep moving. They, they're not going to be able to give me what I need in that writing. Because their mindset is that water baptism played a part in our being born again, in the sin nature being put to death. Listen, water baptism had no part of your conversion. Nothing to do with your conversion. A testifying, a testimony, and something to observe because you have been converted, because you've been born again, because you've already been placed in Christ because it only happens by grace through faith, not and what I do. People who teach that eliminate themselves from what God will do now in their lives. You cannot be saved without faith alone in what Christ did. If you think it's what Christ did at Calvary and what you do, you eliminate yourself from salvation because whether you realize it or not, you're telling God from your heart that wasn't enough. He really didn't finish what I needed for salvation. I also have to. That teaching is everywhere in every town in America, all over the world. It is not... Christ and Him crucified and what I must. I understand. Faith without works is dead. True faith produces true works. 
But when you look out and just see works, that don't mean there's a real faith. But true faith always produces works. But it's the works of the Holy Spirit in and through you. You don't need to forget this. You've got men in pulpits in every town in America, and that's thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably towns in America that are preaching, yes, Christ died, but, that but, listen, even if they believe Christ died for their sins, the best thing we can say is that they believe that and they're saved, but they go right into law. They go right into never being able to, to live for God because the sin nature is revived, not because we sin, uh, uh, commit a sin. The sin nature is revived when we believe that we're maturing or growing or providing for ourselves or doing something ourselves. And it's not just by grace what God did in Christ at Calvary through our faith and what He'll do today because of that same faith. Then we, then we go immediately. And that's what happens to most Christians. It happened to me. It ha I believe it's probably happened to every Christian who's ever been alive that we believe. And at some point we go back under the law. We, we, we begin to believe it is about what I do. It is about what I have to do. And it's never about what you do. It's about what He will do in and through you. And that will always have His fruit. Not some denominational legalistic fruit where you all look the same and dress the same and have the same haircut. That's law. That's flesh. <laughs> so don't you know that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death. The way we got into Christ was by being immersed by the Spirit of God into His death. And we've talked about this before. When God saw Adam in the garden committing sin against him, disobeying him, God saw in that moment, even really before that, God saw, because God sees everything all at once at all times, he saw all of us in Adam being disobedient. All of us. God's not limited in His vision. You and I are limited. We go to a parade and we stand on the corner and the little our kids say, Dad, what's next? What's coming around the corner next? And we're like, I don't know. We'll have to wait until it comes around the corner. God's not like that. God sees all things that have ever been, are, or will ever be all at one time. He's not shocked by what's coming 101 years from today. He's not shocked by what will happen in your life today. He already knows what's going to happen. He's already made provision for everything that will happen to you today. And it's called His Son being given, the Lamb of God slain on your behalf because that's not just for the forgiveness of sins. It's for the grace you need to function by His Spirit today which means allowing Him to function in your life, giving you the peace you need, giving you the joy you need, giving you the provision in all things that you need. All that's done by grace up through faith. Grace doesn't come without faith. And, and faith doesn't, isn't real unless it's in the Lamb of God and what He did at Calvary. You see, this where we've been deceived is that we've heard uh, the, what I'm saying now and we've said, well, you know, that's for the lost and that's for the initial uh, born-again experience. No, my friend, 
The Bible says in Colossians 2, 6, we're to walk in him just as we received him. And the life, Galatians 2, 20, says that we, the life we live now is by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So I want to I make sure we get something clear on this verse 3 in chapter 6 of Romans before we move on. There, no mention of water baptism. And the reason is, is because water baptism, we should be water baptized, Jesus said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, but it's only a testimony of what God has already done. When we're put down under the water, it represents we've died with Christ, we've been buried, and we've been raised. And you know what? I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but Ever, water baptism, when somebody comes up out of the water, it's another hand. It's not themselves bringing themselves up out of the water. It's the preacher or whoever it is bringing them up. It's another hand bringing them up. Resurrection power. And all that is symbolic of what our faith in Christ, God has provided through that. It's called by grace through faith. But it's all been given to us by God through Christ. All of it. It's, it's, it's not works. If it's works, we're going to boast. People who try to make it about long sleeves and, and only dresses and no makeup, they boast in that, that that's their holiness. Nothing wrong with wearing long sleeves and, and no makeup and, 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 and dresses everywhere you go and, and all that kind of stuff. But God sees what you're doing at home. God sees your heart. And when you try to turn all that in to, to what you've got to be, what you've got to do to be holy and please God and right with God, you're in legalism. You're under the law. And the sin nature is alive and operating in your life. And you go around saying, well, I'm, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. At least I'm not doing what they're doing. Think about that. It's the sin nature. The sin nature doesn't begin to rule again because we commit a sin. The sin nature becomes powerful again in our lives when we move our faith from what rendered him powerless. Think about that. It's all biblical. It's all right here in chapter 6 of, and 7 and 8 of Romans. You, listen, I'll say this again. It's a bold statement. If you don't know what's being taught here, if you don't know the revelation of the cross in Romans 6, 7, and 8, you, you've never been discipled. You cannot be discipled until you accept the revelation, the illumination of God's Word in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You may be faithful to a church, to a preacher, but your faithfulness to God is not happening. It cannot happen outside your faith in the sacrifice of Christ for that is the only thing that allows your faith to be legitimate, to make the sin nature powerless, to resist the devil steadfastly in the faith. That's the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You can't separate the faith you have for God, the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God from the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. You can't separate all these things. You can't separate grace from the spirit of grace, which is God functioning, the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't separate these things. So... Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ, immersed into Him, placed into Him by the operation of God, 
were placed into him by being baptized, immersed to, <coughs> into the death of Jesus because God saw us as sinners and, and dead in sin in Adam. But when he saw our faith like a child in Christ, he also saw all those that would believe in Christ and he saw us. He immersed us in Christ. Ephesians 1 and 4 are so powerful. God chose us in Christ, in Him, before the foundation of the world. Why is that? Because in God's plan, He saw His Son as the Lamb being slain from before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8, talking about the plan of God. And God also saw all those who would accept Him as Lord, believe in Him, trust in Him, and He would take them and He would choose us in Him. And when we showed up one day and we believed in Christ, accepted Him as our Savior, and we placed our faith in what He did as the Lamb of God to take away our sins, we were baptized, immersed into Christ in the plan of God while Jesus was on the cross. There He was identifying with us as sinful humanity took our sins upon Him, the one that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you've been blessed in this half hour of teaching. I surely have. I pray you would help us get the word out about these teachings. Send the link of this YouTube channel to someone. My Pastor Curtis Facebook page. Help get the word out. Help us publish the gospel. And not just in that manner, but go to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Sow into this fertile ground and God will bless you, your family, your ministry. God will bless you. Help us do what God's called us to do and it's a guarantee you will reap according to what you've sown. Praise God. I love you. God bless you. And until next time, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See ya.